0: Welcome to the Living Savior Church today. Praise the King. Good to have all of you here today. This is all about Jesus here in this place. And this is all about Jesus. Praise the Lord. We are not about denominations. We are about Jesus. We love Jesus. We don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, or nothing. As long as you believe in Jesus, that's all we do is believe in Jesus, right, Ernest? We're all about Jesus, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Welcome, it's good to have all of you here today. The very first thing we're going to do today, we're going to dedicate a little precious baby. Michelle here's got her little baby here, she's going to come up here and hold this little thing, and we're going to speak a blessing over this brand new little baby, this little lady. She's brand new to the world. She's going to bring her little lady up here, and we're going to pray a blessing over this little child and dedicate this little child to the service of the King forever. That's what you want to do, isn't it, Nichelle? Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, this precious little lady here, we praise you and thank you for this beautiful little thing that you brought into this world. We ask you to bless this little child. We ask you to bless this child with long life, good health, prosperity, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from your mighty word. May you use this child mightily from this day forth to touch people's lives, to change people's lives. And as she grows up, Lord, may you keep her holy. We broke every curse over this child, so there's no curses holding on to this child. This child will go forth in the power of the Lord and be used mightily for your kingdom And we praise you and thank you, Lord, for this precious baby. Now watch over it. Send angels to protect it and guard it. And we claim the little child, spirit, soul, and body for you in service under your kingdom forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the King. Glory. Praise the Lord. Praise the King. Wow. Just think. Every one of you in here was that size one time. Wow, that's hard for me to grasp. Wow. Well, well, some of you might not have never been quite that little. Okay, okay. Yeah, some of you might have been eight or nine or ten pounds. You know, I don't think she weighs that much, does she, Michelle? No, she's a whole lot smaller than that. Yeah. Uh, Whenever I came into the world, I was never that small either. I weighed nine pounds and four ounces when I was born, you know, so I was a pretty good-sized boy. But Mother said, I came out half-grown, you know, so (laughs) praise the King, praise the King, praise the King. She must have ate plenty, I guess, when she was carrying me. My mother was a little bitty woman. When her dad married, she weighed 107 pounds. And when she died, she weighed 135 pounds 83 years later. You know, so she was a wonderful woman of God. I am so grateful that I was raised up in a home with a family that loved Jesus and that I think about the drug problems we have today. I have ministered to people on a regular basis that have that go up about that are involved in drugs. Well, I had a serious drug problem when I was a young boy too. You know, I was drugged to church every Sunday. <laughs> Praise the King. Thank you, Jesus. That's the kind of drug problem to have. You know, Mama or Daddy grabbed you by the nap of the neck and said, We're going to church. They dragged me to church. They drug me in. Well, of course, praise God, I didn't have a clue what I had in Jesus. You know, I didn't have a clue. I was raised up in a wonderful Baptist church. But I didn't have a clue who I was even when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at 11. I had no idea, you know, what was available in this magnificent book. No idea, I, I I just didn't know. But you know, I got a real sneaking suspicion that most of us don't believe this book. You know, I can sit down, in fact, I sat down with five PhDs here a while back, all seminary professors, had a privilege to sit down and talk with them. And they want to know how I done these mighty miracles that I do in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I said, I do them by faith. I said, the problem is you guys don't believe the Word. And they were a little, what do you mean? We don't believe the Word. I said, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. And they said, we do. We believe every word. Now, one of those guys was considerably older than me and... He was a Ph.D., and his special was the book of John. I mean, he taught that in seminary. He loved the book of John. But he knew the whole Bible. I mean, he studied. He'd been there. I forget I forget how old he was. He was like 74, 75. So he was a few years older than I am. Not much. But uh, he said, Thurman, I do believe this word. Now, he's a Baptist. You know, he's a Baptist. You know, these are all Baptist guys now. I believe the word. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I won't call his name, but I said, brother, let me ask you a question. I said, I never see your wife when you come over here to our church. I said, why do you never bring her? I said, is she alive? Oh, yeah, yeah, my wife's still alive. I said, why do you never bring her? Well, he said, means she's got cancer. I said, so your wife has cancer. So I said... What have you done about it? He said, well, we've had her to the doctor a few, several times. And we've had surgery. We've had chemo and radiation. And I said, but how about the word? He said, what do you mean, the word? I said, well, I thought you said you believe this book. He said, I do believe this book. I said, well, I want you to. If you don't know it by heart, I want you to open your Bible and I want you to read a scripture, two of them, or three of them, James 5, 14, 15, and 16. I just want you to turn over there and read me those three verses. So he turned over there and he read those three verses. I don't think he had those committed to memory because that's not a normal verse a Baptist doctor of theology has committed to memory. (laughs) But he did turn over and read them. And when he got through reading them, this is the words that came out of his mouth. He said, Thurman, you don't really think those still work today? And I asked him a question. I said, do you believe Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10 still works today? He said, well, absolutely. I said, now how can we, you know, divide the word like this? I mean, if we as Baptists can say, anybody... I mean, I never heard a Baptist preacher disagree with me on this. I don't care who you are or what you've done. If you come to Jesus and you confess your sins and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, they'll tell me, they walk down this aisle, they pray with you, and you say, accept Jesus as your Lord in life. I mean, as Lord of your, of your life. Every one of those Baptist PhDs said, well, they're saved. Every time. I said, well, but maybe every once in a while God won't save one of them. You know, I mean, what if He doesn't? I mean, what would keep Him from? Well, He said He will. I said, so you believe when they go away they're saved? He said, absolutely. I said, but what if there's no change in their life? He said, they come down and confess Jesus as Savior. It's written in that book they're saved. Even though there's no change that you can see. I said, isn't that amazing that we can believe that so powerfully But yet here we can have a promise over here. Jesus said, is any sick among you? I said, he's talking to the church there. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anoint him with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Every time, he said. He said, if your sickness is due to a sin, I, the Lord, will forgive that sin. And I, the Lord, will heal you. I said, that's a guarantee from God to promise a promise and a guarantee from God to heal every one of His people every time they come and ask and do it His way. But Thurman, maybe it's not God's will to heal everyone. I I mean, how how can it be God's will to heal, save everyone, and it ain't His will to heal when both of them's a guarantee from God? See, I told you boys, you don't believe the book. I said, that's why you don't see God do nothing. You don't believe the book. I said, when you pray, you need to pray like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, we're going to get this man or this woman that's come down here. We're going to get them to confess their sin. Because I said, you know, sin is what brings sickness and disease. Sin, you know. We have a problem with that too, Thurman. I know. But see, the king I serve, he said in Psalm 103, I am the God that forgives all of your iniquities. Then after I forgive all of your iniquities once you then I'm the God that heals all of your diseases. Another Baptist preacher here a while back, we confronted him with this. He said, you know, it's not God's will to heal every one of us every time. I said, okay, do you know Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2? No. I said, okay, open it up and read it. He said, He's the God that forgives all of our iniquities. I said, stop right there. Do you believe God will forgive you every time you confess sin? He said, well, of course He will. Oh, Okay. I said, why do you know? He said, because 1 John 1 9, says, if I confess my sin, he's righteous and just to forgive my sin. So he said, I know if God said it, it's done. I said, okay, praise God. So we, we'll agree. So far, we're in complete 100% agreement. I said, well, what was the next line say? And he heals all of my diseases. I said, how many? He said, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, did he say? He said, well, well he, said, he, he he said all. I said, okay, oh, so what do we don't understand about all? Once we repent of sin, what do we not understand about all? You see where I'm coming from? You know what's wrong with the church today? Unbelief. Unbelief. We do not believe that God will do what He said He will do. Today what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a free choice that God gave every one of us from day one. Day one, God has given us a choice. How many times have you ever heard anybody say, something bad happens to somebody? They say, where is God in this? Why did God let this happen? You ever heard somebody say that? And they get mad at God. Hey, never get mad at God. The problem is never with God. The problem is always with you. It's always with you and me. This is where the sin occurs. This is a wicked thing we live in. This is where the problem's at. Right here. I don't care what, it ain't never God. He wrote a set of rules, and He made these rules, and He gave you and me a choice. Now then, I might say at this point, if you're having trouble with sickness and disease, and you're having trouble with demons, there's a sin in your life. There's something somewhere, just like when Jesus com- came and commissioned His men in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus came and He said, I commission you boys to cast out demons. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and to raise the dead. He said, now go into all the world and do it. Well, they came back a few days later in verse 6 and 7 and 8 and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said, I know. I commissioned you to do this. Well, then just a little bit later down the road, there was a little boy come to him with epilepsy. And the man says, I need you disciples to cast this demon out of my son. And they couldn't. That demon, I mean, that beast, he manifested and he began to flop that little boy around, throw him down on the ground and scream and kick. And they said, whoa, whoa, this looks like a big powerful one. And they could not cast out the demon. So whenever Jesus heard all the commotion, he come up on the scene and he said, what's wrong? The man said, sir, I brought my son to your disciples to cast out this demon to heal my son. And they could not. Jesus looked over at his boys and he said, you wicked and perverse bunch, how long am I going to have to be with you boys? I'd I'd hate to think about what the king would say to us today. You know, because most of us was like I was most of all my life. I had never cast out a demon, never healed a sick, never even saved anybody, never got anybody saved. You know, like these men back here a while ago, the hope groups, they were talking about how they love to tell people about Jesus. That's fantastic. But for many years of my life as a deacon, I never did that. I never led anybody to Jesus. You know, that's the first command of the king. Once you get saved, is go into all the world and preach the gospel and save their souls from hell. Tell them about me. Everywhere you go. And, of course, I got an email this last week from somebody that did that at work. And the person that they were talking to was offended. So they went to the boss and said, you know, I don't like it when your employees talk to me about religion. So the employee was confronted. And the letter, the email said they both agreed that they wouldn't talk to the people that consumers about religious things. Well, let me tell you, she failed her test. Everybody will be given those kind of tests. I was given them several times. What did the king tell you to do? Go into all the world and do what? Keep quiet? What did he tell you to do? Go into the world and tell everybody about me, right Ernest? No, he didn't, he said if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So if you ain't being persecuted, you ain't doing nothing for Jesus, right? If you're keeping your mouth shut, there ain't nobody saying that because you are no threat to the kingdom and nothing's happened. So forget about seeing God do miracles and signs and miracles and wonders. He's not going to do them for you. He's not going to answer your prayers because you're disobedient. You're not doing what the king told you to do. The very first thing the king told us to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. I think about little Michelle up here. She preaches to animals all the time. She told me a while ago she's bringing all kinds of cats and dogs. Or she, just, she just, she loves animals. She goes out and gets them. She brings them and nurses them to health. She's got a love for animals. And I'm sure this little girl preaches the gospel to those cats and dogs and everything. <laughs> I'm sure she must tell them little critters about Jesus. Cause she loves Jesus. You know? So, wherever God puts you and whatever gift He's given you, He commands you to tell people or every creature about Him. Now then, if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing, they, you go in and start telling somebody about Jesus. Hey, I'm going to tell you what. A week and a half ago, when Dave and I went in to do the annual on the one of the airplanes we we're in, I told the guy. I said he said I want to do the annual on your airplane. I said good. I'll let you do it. Provided you let me help you. He said, well, you got to be an A and P mechanic. I said I am an A and P mechanic. I was an A and P instructor at Spartan School of Aeronautics for a couple of years. And i got lots of aircraft experience. So if you don't let me help you on my airplane, you ain't going to do the annual on my airplane. Well, he wanted to do the annual on my airplane. He said, okay, you can help. The very first thing we did when we walked up there and we started checking the engines or they started checking them, the very next thing, we as soon as they shut the engine down, we started talking about Jesus. That's the first words out of my mouth. We're talking about Jesus. And all of them are out there. Well, we're talking about Jesus and everything. And, of course, the thing about it is, you know, one of them said something like, you know, nobody knows God's real or not. I said, oh, yeah, I know the king's real. I have a personal relationship with the king. He talks to me regular. I know the king is real. Yes. I said, even the signs and miracles and wonders for me. Well, now that gets their attention. What do you mean? I said, you see this guy standing right here beside you? That's Dave Rosenfeld. I said, that young man right there, he's about 44, 45 years old right now. In the first 40 years of his life, he had an incurable disease. Every doctor he went to told him what he had was incurable. He could never be cured. I said, the doctor said it was in his DNA. He could never have any children. If it did, it would be passed on to his children. I said, I told him it was a demon. We broke the curse, kicked out the devils, prayed for him. I said, God healed him. Today he's got two beautiful children. Ain't neither one of them sick. And they turned and said, is that true? He said, that's true, guys. Now we have a live testimony on site. This is why God put me and Dave together, because, you know, so we talked to these guys about Jesus. I mean, it's afternoons after they get through work at 5 o'clock. We'd stand around an hour and a half or two hours and talk to them about Jesus out front of the building. And then one of the guys that that owned the place, I got tickled at him, Glenn Hyde, the guy that owns the airport, He was talking about sending him some business, me, you know. And he said, yeah. He said, what do you think about Thurman? He said, I mean, the guy walks right into my heathen bunch. He's trying to lead all of them to Jesus right off the bat. (laughs) Now, is that the way to be known as Christians? That's the way to be known. We are supposed to be telling people about Jesus. Now, you're going to catch some slack. You're going to catch some flack. But the thing about it is, if you're not catching any flack, you're not doing nothing for the king. See, so you've got to go in there telling people about Jesus. And if you do, God will do awesome things for you. I mean, He'll change men's lives. He'll change women's lives. He'll change them. And of course, I thought about those men standing out there uh, with us in the afternoon. I thought about these men taking the time to stand out there and talk to us an hour, hour and a half, two hours about Jesus. Men that ain't talked about Jesus. Men that ain't been to church. Hey, but you know what men love? Men love power. That's the way we're made. Men love power. And when they run into a man that has walked in God's power, they want what you got. And that's why I'm saying I'm trying to teach everybody that, like I told this precious young lady right here a while ago, I am not anything special. I'm a man. She's not anything special. She's a woman. But she told me about somebody she prayed for that had cancer and they got healed, and she is just on fire. I told her, I said, Praise God. I said, God has given us these gifts. And the lady that was beside her, I said, How did you learn about me? She said, My friend said, She knows everything about everybody. I said, Praise God, what a friend to have. And the friend says, I've been listening to your stuff for a year and a half. I said, Well, you know a whole lot about me then if you've been listening to me night and day for a year and a half. I will say that. Because our teachings are changing people everywhere. We're seeing people, pray for people. And then I told her, I said, you know, we're really not anything special, but we are something special. I said, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who we are. And as sons and daughters of the Most High God, Jesus told you something in His Word. Praise the Lord, y'all come in here. Let me take you to a magnificent place in this book. Let's go to Matthew 10:24. I want you to see something here. Matthew chapter 10. And I want you to see a magnificent statement here. Matthew 10:24 in the NLT says a student is not greater than the teacher. In other words, a student can never be greater than the teacher. So can you, we are the students, and who is our teacher? Jesus. God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost. So we can never be greater than Him. A servant is not greater than the Master. Now then I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 40. And I want you to see something over there. Luke 640. Luke chapter 6. Verse 40, now we see there in Matthew 10 that no student can be above his master. But, you know, so you think, let me ask you this question. This should not be a deterrent to us wanting to do something. How many of you would like to get to the point where you could be like Jesus? Oh, yeah, there's a, oh, yeah. If I could get there, hey, that's where I want to be too, brother. I want to be there. Well, see, the king has told us that's the goal. That's the goal for every one of us. Amen. But most of us don't even dream we can get there. Why do we not dream we can get there? Because how many people do you know that are there? How many people do you know that's anywhere close to being there? How many people do you know today that's really walking in signs and miracles in the Word of God? Well, there's far too few. There's far too few. You know that? Far too few. So that's what God has sent me to do to tell you you can be one of those. You can get there. He has shown me how to do this. He's allowed me to work, walk in His miracles. And He's sent me as a mere man, an old engineer out of the workplace, to bring me in to let me teach you that He's no respecter of persons. If you walk holy and obedient to His Word, you can do the same things that I've done, even greater things that I've done in the name of Jesus. I mean, that should be our goal. My goal is to do greater things. Isn't yours, James? Sure. We don't want to stay down here where we are. I mean, I think about how the Lord changed James' life. I mean, this guy's a computer science engineer, whatever, and he's just—he's smart as a whip. I mean, he knows all kinds of good stuff. He's he, he trying to humble himself over here, but let me tell you, he's very brilliant. This guy is brilliant, I'm telling you. And this guy, I mean, he went to church all of his life. You know, he's a good Christian man, but his wife got injured a few years ago, and They went to the doctors, they did everything, and then somebody that had been to this ministry from his workplace said, you know, we went over to the Living Savior Church and there's miracles happen over there. So James says, miracles? People get healed over there? And so they said, yeah. So he come over here. He couldn't bring his wife because she was down. She had been down for about six weeks. She had fell and hit her head on a tile. And he come up to me after the, after the service, a couple of hours, hour and a half, two hour teaching. He come up, sat down, said, Mr. Scribner, you seem like a normal human being. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not some crazy guy. You're just teaching what the book says. But he said, I have a real problem. My wife fell and hit her head, and she can't get up. And so we've got a real problem here. And somebody at work said, miracles happen over here when you pray for people. So he said, I need a miracle for my wife. I said, well, James... Jesus made you and me a promise. I said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, Jesus made you and me this awesome promise, and most of us don't believe Him. Jesus said, again, I tell you the truth, that if two of you on earth agree about... Oh, James, you remember that, don't you? Well, the king said anything, didn't he? And that included your wife's sickness that day, didn't it, James? In the name of Jesus, I said, "Now I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for your wife, and I'm going to guarantee you the King of the Universe is going to heal your wife." Amen. And see what the King also said? I've got to believe with no doubt in my heart. Amen. So I say, "Okay, God, I'm going to take Matthew 18:19. I'm going to pray for his wife, and I hope if it's your will that you'll heal her." He said, that, that, mm, that, mm, "That don't get it." He said, "I'm not a wishy-washy God." I am well able to do whatever I say I can do in my Word, and I don't go along with this nonsense. Now, you either believe me or you don't believe me. Amen. Now, you either get off that unbelief, and you get back on faith, or else. So, I prayed for his wife, Lori, and I guaranteed him that the King of the universe, on that verse, would heal his wife. I said, you go home and tell her to get out of bed, get up and walk around and do something. I said, she's healed. But what I didn't know, he had left one of his sons, there she sits back there, with a, probably that's the little son that was home with you, wasn't it? Wasn't he the one that was with you, Lori? Anyway, Jaden, whenever he, when James got home, they was outside walking down the road. I mean, little Jaden had already got her up. Mama got a feeling. He said, Mama, why don't we go take a walk? And so she said, well, I do feel real good. So she gets up and they're out walking and she's been healed ever since. So, I mean, we serve an awesome Jesus. See, now the thing we miss is that we don't know that these things, what prevents us from getting these things, is sin. It's sin. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you another one. I, I hope Ernest and Esther don't get tired of me telling this story. But y'all got a great got a great thing from God, didn't you, Ernest? But see, Ernest and his wife right here, they're sitting right here, this lovely couple right here, and they started coming over here, and Ernest said, Thurman, every time I come, you challenge me with this book. He said, man... He said, I mean, he said, I've never been challenged like... He said, if I go home, I think, God, you said these things. Sermon said, I can do these things. Well, they brought their granddaughter up here. She was probably 20, 21, whatever she was. 27, whatever she was. And she had breast cancer, I believe it was. Wasn't that right? And we got her to repent of all of her sins. We prayed for her, and that thing went away. And she got healed. Praise the King. So... Then his lovely bride here of many years. One man and one woman. That's the way God said her. It's one man, one woman forever. It's young, yeah. bride. it's young bride. Yeah, I didn't say old bride. I was a Young bride, you know. I mean, you may be married a long time, but boy, she's still a beautiful young woman. I'll say that. She's still a beautiful young woman. But the Lord... She, see, now, what I didn't know that Esther had had a tumor in her stomach about 15 years herself. Now, she had a friend that had the same tumor, but her friend one had it cut out. And she died on the operating table. So when she died, see, she, they didn't know this principle about sin. And Esther didn't know this principle. She said, I ain't going to have that surgery done. If my friend died, I ain't going. I'm just going to tough it out. So she toughed it out for 15 years. When she came to us, after her granddaughter got healed, I told her, I said, Esther, you've got a sin in your life. We've got to find out what it is. And we found out what it was. A little unforgiving. Just a little one somewhere you know, but we got that taken care of. And once we got that little unforgiveness taken care of, I prayed for her on Sunday, and she'd come back the next Sunday, and that thing wasn't there. And it ain't been there since. Thank you, Jesus. Now, see, the king has set down a set of principles. You've got to spend time with him to learn these principles. I mean, I could go on, I look all over this congregation, I see people all over the place that have healed, that have prayed the prayers of faith. I mean, but, you know, you've got to just... Tell a couple just to get people's you know interest uh, wet up, you might say, or something. But there's people all over this place that have been healed. I to look at you all over. But now then, I want to take you back to the way back in the book of Genesis, and I want you to see something in the book of Genesis, verse uh, chapter. I think it's chapter four. Yeah, four. I had my little sticky over. I couldn't see the chapter. Okay, chapter four. Let's say here, let's go down to about verse 4. Well, let me go back up about 2. After his mother gave birth to a second son and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain was a farmer. At harvest time, Cain brought to the Lord a gift of his farm produce, while Abel brought several choice lambs for the best of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his offerings, but he did not accept Cain and his offerings. This made Cain very angry and dejected. The Lord asked him a question. Why are you so angry? Listen to what he's saying here now. The Lord asked him. Who's, who's talking to him? The Lord. the Lord. This is God. Now talk to this guy. You know, God talks to you. He will talk to you. You know, I've heard Him talk to me many times in my life. When you get to where you believe He'll talk to you, He'll talk to you. You know, if you're living in unbelief and somebody says, Well, I don't believe God talks to me. Well, forget it. Chances are you ain't never going to get to hear Him. Because He's not going to talk to you unless you believe he can. Him and He will. Now, He promised in His Word to talk to you. So if you call Him in remembrance of His promises, Lord, I need some information or advice or whatever on something. And Lord, I'm not going away, so you can tell me how to do it. Now, then, if you're willing to pay the price, sometimes you can ask Him once, and He'll tell you right then. There's been times when I've asked Him a question and thanked Him for it, and the first time He gave me the answer, just like that BAM! And there's times I've stayed on His doorstep for hours. Hours and hours and hours. I mean, but I think about Daniel. How long did Daniel stay up there praying and asking? 21 days. What did the angel say when he finally got there? He said, the Lord heard your prayer the minute you asked. And He dispatched me. But there was a battle in the heavens that went on. And it took me 21 days. I had to call back for the warring angel Michael to get through that mess of stuff. There's battles going on. And there's some answers, the devil don't through. And so you have to stay in there. God, if you're walking holy before Him and obedient to His Word, He'll answer your prayer. Now, if you're living in sin, forget it. Chances are you ain't going to hear from Him, you know. You can keep that sin, you can keep that unforgiveness, you can keep that unbelief, and you can die in that sin. That's just how Philip back there. When I told Philip, whenever uh, Philip, I guess he's 23 years old now, but when Philip, whenever I was asked to come to his house, when he was an 11-year-old boy, Philip, his body was covered with warts and scars. I mean, he had them all over him. In his eyes, nose, mouth, face, hands everywhere. And he said, Mr. Shribner, as an 11-year-old boy, I hated because all the kids at school call me warty. Now, I can understand. You know, even Christian kids do this kind of stuff. We don't teach our children how they're supposed to live and treat other people. They say things because why? They hear Daddy walk in and say, oh, you know, look at that guy. He looks terrible, doesn't he, you know? You know they hear Daddy talk like that, so why don't they talk like that? Sure, they're just a chip off the old block. But I told Philip, I said, Philip, there's something you need to know about God. As an 11-year-old boy... I said, God is not moved by need. He is only moved by faith after repentance. So I said, we've got to find y'all's sins today, get them all repented of. And I say, there are two or three hours we went through all these scriptures, and we got everybody's sins repented of, and I built their faith mountain high. And then I turned and asked this little 11-year-old boy a question. Son, do you believe that Jesus I read about in this book can now take those warts off and scars off of your body? And this was the words that came out of his mouth. Mr. Shribner, after what you read in this book today, I believe Jesus can do anything. Is that the kind of faith the king's looking for? That's the kind of faith the king's looking for. I knelt on the floor and said, let's all get together. There's five of them. The mother and dad, Philip and his little sister. I said, let's all get in a big circle here around this little coffee table in here in the den and I said, I'm going to kneel down here in front of a righteous and holy God. And I'm going to use Matthew 18:19, And I'm going to ask the Father in Jesus' name to remove those warts and scars off of your body. And I said, I'm going to guarantee you He's going to do it. Now, see, that's what faith is. You kneel down there and say, well, well I'm, I'm going to pray. Now you, know, now, you know, God, He might be able to take them warts off, but scars? I mean, <laughs> give me a break. I mean, you know, nobody can take scars off, can they? Uh-huh. Oh, well, Jesus, ain't nothing hard, is it? See, you've got to stop thinking like man. You've got to think like God. And when you think like God, then you can take His Word. And 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was, of course, I mean, after I prayed for Him, and I told Him, I said, you've got to believe with no doubt in your heart. And, of course, they did. And within three weeks, He didn't have no warts on Him nowhere. And in the fourth week, all the scars and everything totally left. And his mother was the first charismatic Baptist mother i ever seen in a Baptist church. I ain't never seen a mother dance in a Baptist church till her. But I seen her dance. She was happy what God had done for her baby. But we should all be happy about God doing it. He made these promises. You know, but he expects you and me to believe. You know what, my normal... Baptist teachings would have had me to do if I'd have ever prayed for them. I'd have said, now, you know, I don't know. This is an awesome promise in Matthew eighteen nineteen, But if it's God's will, maybe He'll take those things off. If it's not, they won't come off. And guess what? They would not have come off. he still have them today. But when you go into the faith, if He said it, in other words, He says, get rid of sin. Just look what He says here to Cain, Abel. But to Cain, He says, After Cain was very angry, the Lord asked him, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you respond in the right way. Now, think about that. Is God a respecter of persons? No. Do we have to respond in the right way? It ain't no difference today. You've got to accept Jesus on his terms. You don't come to him on your terms. You come to the king on his terms. He made the book. He made the rules, and you do them his way, then look what he says. You will be accepted if you respond in the right way. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you. Who is sin? Let's get a picture of who sin is. Who is the leader of the sin pack? The devil. Sure. Sure. The devil. It says, Satan or sin is waiting to attack and destroy you. Look what he says. And, but, look at what God says. This has got to be a misprint. But God, He will protect you. No, that's not what it said at all. It said, you must subdue it. Who has power over sin? You have power over sin. Every time that devil comes to you to tempt you to do something earnest, God's given you the power to either say yes or no, right? When that devil comes to you, he can give you the power. And if you make the wrong decisions, you know, this lovely bride of yours says something you don't like. And I know that never happened to you all but in all those years. But if she says something you don't like, then you've got to love her and forgive her. Right then, you know. Now, if you get an unbelief un, un, and get it angry with, it can bring sickness and disease to both of you. Amen. See, that devil will attack. He'll come in there. You know, it's just like last night. You know, I, I made my honey bunny a promise this, this last week. She said, I'm going to sing for, with my daughter Saturday night at uh, 8 o'clock. I said, okay. She said, I'd love for you to go to dinner with me after at 7. We have time to sit down and have dinner, you know. And uh, then I'll have time to sing and, and you can come on home and study. Well last night Dave and I had been working on airplanes, and of course after we got through working on airplanes, we had to go out and check them out. You know, you can't not go check them. You gotta make sure they're working right. I mean, right? So we went out and shot, we went up nearly to Oklahoma, and then, you know, we did a real good checkout. Went up early to Oklahoma and then back over to Decatur and back down to uh, Bridgeport and shot a VOR approach over And then we come over and shot a one of them angled a VOR DME approaches over at uh, 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 the Decatur. Yeah, Decatur. And then we decided to come home. Well, when we got to the house and landed at the airport and got the airplane in the hangar, I looked at my watch and it was 844. And so I thought, yeah, I didn't think about nothing. You know, we went on, went home, but when I got to the house and Cheryl's car was gone. I said, I am in trouble. I forgot Cheryl was singing tonight. I go in and I said, Yesha, was my wife upset? She said, well, there may be a little frost around your house. (laughs) She said, I guess I'm going to have to go have dinner all by myself. And so she drove off. I went in and got cleaned up right quick. And although it's nine o'clock... I'm telling you, I drive all the way out there where she's singing and walk right up on stage and give her a kiss right in front of everybody. (laughs) Hey, I'm trying to make up. I messed up. (laughs) I know none of you guys ever done that but me. None of y'all ever made a mistake like that. But when you make a mistake like that, guys, you got to make amends. You know, and of course, finally, she got a break and she comes sat down with me and she says, did you... Put the airplane in front of me again. I said, honey, she said, that's two strikes. I said, what does happen when I get the third one? She said, you're out. I don't know know what she meant by that. I said, you know what the Lord says. The Lord says, love remembers no wrongs. Okay, she said, you're off the hook. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for the word. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the word. Oh, isn't it, isn't it wonderful to have the word so when you mess up, you you can always tell you mate, you know what the Lord says. You know what you gotta do. You gotta forgive me. You know, but it works both ways. Not time <laughs> works both ways. So praise the Lord. But anyway, I had to make amends. And so then, of course, the. When I went out there, she captured me. When I'm standing there talking to her, she said, there's a young man right here this year tonight. He's perfect. She said, you're perfect. You're right on time. She said, there's a young man that overdosed the other day, like to die, and i got to have you talk to him and pray for him. And so I talked to him, and I said, you got any friends here? Four or five friends, boys and girls. And I said, bring them back here. Let's go outside. I went outside with all those boys and girls, young, young people, teenage kids, 19. 19, 18, 19 years old. And only a week ago, one of them almost punched out. overdosed on drugs. I went out there and I talked to him, sat down there. and When I started talking to them about the power of God, that group of children, I mean, they fled like a covey of quail when you put a hound dog right in the middle of the bunch of them. I'm telling you, the devil didn't want them young people to hear what I had to say. Isn't that Amazing. I mean, I saw this and said, I can't listen to this. i got to go. This and said, well, I've got to take her home. i got to go. I said, well, I'm going to tell you kids if you'll hang around. It'll change your lives. I guarantee you what i got to say will change your life forever. Like this right here. After I left there, I went home and I, I looked at this and I thought about this scripture. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you. And you must subdue it. When somebody comes to you and they say they're a friend and say, so try this marijuana cigarette, you've got a choice. You can try it, but I'm going to guarantee you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, except God intervene, every marijuana cigarette you smoke is going to kill a few of your brain cells. You're not going to be normal as you would have been if you had never taken that. I'm telling you that marijuana is a devastating thing to the human body. It will destroy it. Nearly every kind of drug that's out there will destroy your body. And guess who has the choice as to what you're going to do with drugs if you're a young person? You do. God made a set of rules. Now then, I want to take you to another rule since he told Cain what to do. And he didn't obey it. He allowed the enemy to attack him because the very next verse, it says there that Cain went out and killed his brother. Did it not? Cain, he didn't listen. The sin was crouching at the door. But Cain went out and killed his brother Abel. Now this is one set of brothers on earth. One set. And we got this tremendous battle going on and one of them kills the other one already. Such a few people on the earth. So now then we've got this number multiplied by the millions. We've got people everywhere. Well, listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 30, 14. <clears throat> Chapter 30, verse 14. The message is very close at hand. Now, this same Scripture that you're going to see here... The same words as used in Romans chapter 10. But look what he says here. The message is very close at hand, and it is in your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. I'm reading out of the NLT, so it's going to read a little bit different than the King James. But they say the same thing. Listen to what he says. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen. Today I am giving you a choice. God wrote this thousands of years ago. Today I am giving you a choice between prosperity and disaster. To between life and death. Who's given us this choice? God. Now who's he giving that to? Just a few? Every human being that will ever be born, this promise is to every human being that will ever be born on the earth. God loves every one of us. There is no respect of persons. And I guarantee this is to every human being. He says, I have commanded commanded you today to love the Lord your God and to keep His commands. What did he say he did? If you want to? He said, I command you. Why do you think God commanded you to to love Him and to keep His laws? Why is it important that you keep His commands and love Him? Why is it important? That's right. He loves you so. But He also is a jealous God. A mighty jealous God. And if you don't love Him, you know what we do in the spirit world? We become spiritual prostitutes. He also tells us that. And nobody likes to live with a prostitute, do they? On the earth, I don't know a man or a woman nowhere, if if they want to share their mate with somebody else, they ain't normal.
1: Man.
0: They ain't normal. I mean, nobody. I mean, you, if you're a man and you've got a woman, you don't want to share her with nobody. And as a matter of fact, other guys, keep your hands off my wife, you know?
1: <laughs> you know?
0: You know, I'm, I'm the only one supposed to handle her and feel her and touch her. The rest of you guys keep your hands off of her. See, see is that right, Ernest? You don't want somebody to come up and feeling all over your life, do you? Absolutely not. I ain't never met a man that does. You know, we're jealous. We're jealous. You know, that's just the way we are. Well, God don't want nobody else messing with you either. He wants you. He wants you to love Him, to put Him first, and to keep and obey His laws. And he said, when he said, I commanded you today to keep these commands, these laws and regulations by walking in my ways. If you do this, now there's that big word, if. He gives you the choice. If you do this, you will live and become a great nation. How many of us want to be a great nation? Everybody wants to be a member of a great nation. But do you know? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And today, this nation is not serving God. This nation is not putting Him first. We don't want Him on television. We don't want Him at work. You know, we want Him, do not want Him in schools. We don't want you praying in the name of Jesus. Don't you dare talk to anybody about Jesus in the workplace. You might, and don't put them Ten Commandments on a judge's wall. You know, take them down. We don't want none of this stuff. So we wonder why all the bad things are happening to America. Well, I have your answer. I have your answer. You know, it's because we are not serving God. That's why all these devastating things happen. He says, if you keep all my regulations, walk in my ways, if you do this, you will live and become a great nation and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. If you turn your... If your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. Now, I don't like that, do you? He didn't say maybe. He said you will. It's like I told that young boy that I sat there with at OD'd on drugs last week. I said, son, you had a wake-up call. I said, you better be glad God's giving you another chance. I said, you know, when you OD'd on those drugs, I said, you know, you could have opened your eyes in hell. (laughs) You could have been there forever. I'm going to make a statement to you. The Word of God... (coughs) The Word of God clearly says <clears throat> that if we are a possessor of eternal life, we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The Word says in 1 John, <clears throat> we cannot sin. Is that a mouthful? That's a, pretty, that's a pretty good place to challenge us right there, isn't it, Ernie? That's a pretty tough challenge. The king says, if you really know me as your Lord and Savior... And my spirit is in you. You cannot sin. You will not sin. So I'll make this statement to you. A true possessor of eternal life. There's no drug addicts that are true possessors of eternal life. Somebody said, that's hard. I said, well, the Word says that. If you're really a possessor of eternal life, and let, let me add a little phrase to and you know who you are. Let me go that step. If you know who you are as a son or a daughter of God, once you get a hold of the fact that I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of the king, the drug problem goes away. When somebody comes, you know, that's just like, if let's say you used to be a thief. And you you used to break in, maybe when you was 18, you knew how to pick a lock. I mean, you could go into any candy store in town, you all go and take all the candy you wanted to. You take little choice pieces, they never missed them. But you were a thief. And then you got saved. And they say, Andy, let's go down and break in that store again tonight and get us some more candy. He said, No, I can't do that no more. What do you mean you can't do that no more? I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior last week. Well, has that got to do with it? Everything. I'm a new creature now. I don't, I don't steal, I don't break in locks no more. I don't I don't do this no more. Why don't you do that? Because the old boy died. And they look at you and say, you still look alive to me. But see, in the spirit world, that man's dead. You've got to keep him dead. Because you can still make that same choice. When that flesh starts calling for that candy, you can say, well, maybe just one more time. Is that right? Sure. You can do it. One more time. It's a choice God gives you. If you make the wrong choice, guess what you're going to have to pay? The consequences. Serious consequences. consequences. You're going to get caught, they're going to put you in jail, and then you're going to look bad. Let's go over here to another place. I've got another scripture I want to talk about right quick. Let's go over to John 5. Let's go to John 5, and we'll start with verse 1. <clears throat> I want you to see how this man was just like we are today when it comes to getting healed. John 5 1, it says, afterwards Jesus returned to Jerusalem from one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people. Crowds of them. Obviously, well, you had sin back in those days too, huh? Obviously we did. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that the heathens on the book of Jonah, when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he said, nope, I ain't going. I'm going the other direction. He went out there and got on that ship, and they went out in the sea. God wasn't intimidated. He just waited. I got right out there in the real deep water. (laughs) Then he just waved his hand a little. And the waves were bouncing them boys. I mean, I mean, the ship was bouncing on the tops of those waves. And then heathens, they don't even know Jesus. They said somebody has angered the gods. This ain't a normal storm. Somebody has angered the gods. Back in the old days, they were smarter than we are today. I mean, here we have this technological age today, and we're such dummies. We don't have a clue that sin is what blows away the United States and rain. And oh, we always think it's well, just one of them things. The heathen lost heathen thousands of years ago. They knew somebody's angered the God. Who's on this boat has made God mad? Jonah said, "It's me." They said, well, "What do we need to do with you?" He said, "Throw me overboard." They said, "Gladly." I mean, now wait a minute. That guy is an Israeli, you know, and we are a bunch of different kind of people. Now we're gonna we're gonna be sued, you know, we're gonna be sued if we throw this guy, this different guy, different color or whatever. We throw him in the water. They're gonna sue us. They're gonna take us. They're gonna fine us or whatever. No, they ain't even worried about that. They ain't worried about if you're the one that's caught. We throw, we're gonna put you on the plank and throw you out in that water. And man, they I can just see them guys grabbing him by the the seat of the pants, one on each side, them big old, and throwing him in. Can't you hear this? They threw him in. As soon as he hit that water, I mean, the waves and the wind just went. And they thought, wow, he was the real problem. And they looked out here and here's this great big old fish. You know, some people tell you now, you know, a whale cannot swallow a human being. There's no way. But I'm going to tell you, God didn't say prepared a whale. It said God prepared a special fish. Now, that fish God prepared, that's when you don't think like God. You know, that's uh, you know, like the little girl that said, you know, Jonah, you know, talk about Jonah. And she said, well, no, no, no whale can swallow a man. Their throat's too little. The little girl said, but, but Jonah was, was swallowed by one. And she said, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah how God did that. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah is not in heaven? She said, then you ask him. <laughs> You ask him. I see the little children, they even know how people live, whether they're going to be there or not, right? Then you ask him, you know, because I'm going to heaven. If Jonah's not there, then you ask him if he's in the wrong place. But I believe Jonah's going to be in heaven, she said. And so anyway, God prepared this great big old fish, you know, and this fish come swallowed up Jonah. I mean, I can see it now. I can really see it now. Jonah's out in that water, and he says, Okay, God, so these guys are going to throw me out here, and I'm going to drown, but I still ain't going to Nineveh. And all of a sudden, he turns around, and when he looks, there's a fish with a mouth this big, and he's going down, and he sees that throat, and he reads, and he's going. I can hear him screaming now, God, I repent. I'll go to Nineveh. But God says, Okay, so just right on down that gullet, right down into the belly, and all that acid and everything else. And you know, it's got to be dark in there. (laughs) I mean, it's dark in there. And he swims over. Now, Jonah, three days later, that trip took three days. And Jonah's in that acid. And I'm sure that when that fish swam up on the bank, and everybody looked out there and said, look at that giant fish. And he opens his mouth and out walks this preacher in a three-piece suit. (laughs) What do you think he must have looked like? I think his old clothes was rags. I think the acid did eaten eat him. I think his skin was burned. And I think you could smell him for a mile. And he walked that thing, repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's going to destroy this place in 40 days if you bunch of heathens don't repent. Now, you think God could get people's attention like that? Hey, he needs to have a few more of those today. He needs to send a few people around like that to get people's attention. But he got their attention. And so it says here then that it says after Jesus went up here inside the pool of Bethesda all these people were sick people. They were blind, They were lame. They were paralyzed. And they lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. How would you like to be that guy, Tom? No, thank you. I don't want to be that guy either. I mean, when you get sick, Keith, you just get sick for a couple days. It's bad enough, isn't it? You certainly don't want to be down sick 38 years. No way. We don't want that at all. Then he says there, he says, 38 years, when Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him this question. Would you like to get well? I mean, why in the world would you ask that question? Doesn't anybody know anybody wants to be well? But... Obviously not. I mean, I know some people that gloat in their sickness. People are waiting on them, hand and foot, you know. I mean, they ride around in, you know, I mean, little motorized chairs and all kinds of stuff, you know. I don't have to walk, you know. You, you help me do this and that. You, you know, you have to help me. They don't want to do nothing for themselves. So many people are like that today. Not all of them that are handicapped, but some of them are and some of them don't want to get well. Then Jesus, look what He said: "I can't, sir." See, that's what we say. That's our that's our message. I mean, I can't get well. I mean, good grief! You know, I've been to the doctor, you know, and what else do you want me to do? And the doctor said, "What I got's incurable. There ain't no way I can get well." But see, the doctor never asked this one question: Have you repented of all your sins lately? The doctor don't know that state. That statement, do they? No, they don't know that. And that's why we have such a failure in the healing ministry today, because people are sick because of sin. And when you learn, you get rid of that sin, then somebody can pray for you and get you healed. I have seen it over and over and over and over thousands of times. So it's not just a coincidence. I mean, not a coincidence, but look what he says here. The sick man said, For I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. Now, isn't it amazing why God would only allow the first one? I'm telling you, if I was sick and I'd been sick 38 years, I'm telling you, I'd be laying on that rock. I mean, all I have to do is just stick my arm in the water. I wouldn't be way up there under one of them porches. I mean, if I'd been sick 38 years, I mean, would you, James? I mean, I'm laying on the side of this baby. I made it just. I might just lay their arm in the water all the time. That way nobody going to beat me in the water. I'm in the water. You know, I ain't taking no chances. If I, I mean, it's the first one's almost going to get healed. I'm going to be the first one. But this guy's not diligent, see. He's not dedicated, and that's what's wrong with us. We're not diligent to seek God. But he's God's mercy. He says, while I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. Well, he's sick and afflicted. Jesus told him, stand up and pick up your sleeping mat and walk. words, do something. Now, the man right there could have said, but I can't, sir. I'm paralyzed. Or he could have acted on the Word. In fact, what was it? Sunday night or Tuesday night? Sunday night last week when the woman had the, from Florida. Was that last Sunday night? It was last, Saturday huh? Sunday. No, it was Saturday healing school. I thought it was Sunday. I thought prayed for... Her. Anyway, Saturday or Sunday of last week, we had a healing school. We yeah, we prayed for her both days. That's right, it was the second day. The second day, she was standing right there, and Cheryl come and got me and said, you need to pray for her again. She's got a real serious problem with her neck and her back and her legs. And so we'd, all of us had prayed for her on, on Saturday, but she didn't get healed. So I came over there and reached up and put my hand around and said, ma'am, have you got ever sin repented up? She said, Yes. I have ever sinned repented of. I just put my hand on her shoulder. I said, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, He sent for me to lay hands on you and cast out the devil and He would heal you. I said, woman, you're healed. I said, bend your head all the way to the left. And she looked and she said, now? I said, yes. And she started bending and when she did, her head would plumb around backwards. I mean, she could see over her shoulder and her eyes got that big around. Now, we've just seen the king, by faith, do a great and mighty work right there last Sunday evening. And then she said, well, I've got this serious pain in my back. So every one of us, Ty and me and Eldon and all of us, begin to attack the problem in the back. And every time one of us prayed for her, the pain got less and less and less until she got completely healed. No more leg problems, no back problems or nothing. But I bet you we prayed for her five or six or seven or eight times, didn't we, Ty? Several. See? You don't ever say, take no for an answer. You realize the king has given us this power, and so we stand on his promises. When people get their sins repented of, we believe and we see God heal people like that. But this woman was amazed. I'm going to tell you, she really didn't expect to be able to turn her head all the way around. Because if she had of... You see her eyes, Elton? He was standing right there beside me. When she started running, there was no pain, in her head started going around, her eyes got that big. I, whoa! She said, I can do it! Hey, isn't it wonderful to see God do these kind of things for His people? But see? When I told her to move her head, she had to act. She said, turning me and said, but Simon, I can't do that. I can only move it just about this far, and that's all. No! She just done it. Just What did Jesus tell this guy to do here? Get up and walk. Get up and walk. He said, take up, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath day. Oh, so the Jewish leaders, they objected. Now, man's been sick 38 years and the church leaders are fussing because a guy got healed. We don't do this on church day. We do this during the week. You know, that's the only one. We, we pray for people to get healed every day of the week. I mean, we don't care what day of the week it is. We pray for you for your healing, and we expect God to do what He promised to do. Because Jesus and His Father never rest. Now, I've not obtained that yet where I don't have to have a little rest once in a while. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Praise the Lord. It says, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath, it's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. Isn't that amazing? He replied, The man who healed me said to me, Pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him. Now, this is very, very important, this next statement. When Jesus came back and found the man, he said, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Is that an awesome statement? Why do we not see these things? Why do we not believe... That when if God, when He was here on the earth in the form of Jesus, when He told us, stop sinning, or something worse is going to come upon you, here's a man that's only been sick and paralyzed for 38 years. Now, I think about the number of people that I have prayed for over the years, and as I have seen this principle, confess your sins. If you don't confess your sins, and in fact, one of the most devastating sins that's out there is unbelief. Unbelief of the promises of God. I've seen men in churches working in ministries that I could find no sin in their life <clears throat> except one. Unbelief of the promises of God. And when I get them to repent of that, then I've prayed for them and I've seen God instantly heal men laying flat on their back that couldn't move just like this man that Jesus did right there. I've seen men that were down on their back. And that's where I've seen of, of so many healings is in backs. And when you find out, hey, what's your problem? Unbelief. I don't have unbelief. I believe God's promises. And that's what they'll tell you every time. I'm not in unbelief. If God said it in that word, I believe it." I said, "Well, then you don't know it. Oh, I've studied the book. Well, let me take you just to one very simple little statement in John 14:12. What does Jesus say in John 14:12. What does he say? Somebody look that up. John 14:12. This is what Jesus said. It, just like he said in Luke 6.40, I never did read Luke 6.40 a while ago, but in Luke 6.40, he said, after he said, no over in Matthew 10.24, he said, no student shall be above his teacher or his master. But in Luke 6.40, he said, everyone that's perfectly trained shall be just like your master. So you and me, if we get perfectly trained in Luke 6.40, you and I ought to be doing the exact same things that Jesus was doing. The exact same things. In his name, of course. But in John fourteen twelve, when you read that promise, you'll think that you might be able to do greater works than Jesus. Because John fourteen twelve, Jesus said, To anyone that believes in me, not only shall you do what I've been doing, but greater works than these that I've done shall you do in my name. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean if you can never go above your master? But he said there, it appears you can. Now, here's what that means. You can never go in quality above a miracle that he did. But in quantity, you can. In other words, I know men today, I think about here a while back whenever I watched a Billy Graham deal on television, and they told how many people in the world was watching that show. It was millions. Hundreds of millions. Jesus never preached to hundreds of millions at one time. He was limited to walking. He was limited to, to what he could speak out of his mouth. A few hundred or a few thousand at a time over there in Israel. And he never, he never had a car to travel in, never had an airplane. He traveled walking by foot. But he changed the world walking by foot. But now we take his name, and with the electronic amplification and all the stuff, we, got, we can preach to millions of people. In fact, men today... I mean, some of these men that are flying around all over the world, these big airplanes, they'll preach in New York City, and tomorrow they preach in L.A. That's no problem today, is it? No. You couldn't do that a few years ago. But today, you can. You know, but just a few years ago, you couldn't. I think about some of the places we've been, and how the Lord sent us out, all these places now, where we're going and preaching and teaching the Word, and then the next day, we'll be halfway across the United States. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. How you can move so quickly and how you can be teaching God's Word. I mean, it's amazing. It's just amazing. But that right there where he says we cannot be above him, but then in Matthew 5.48, he makes an awesome statement. And here back, back I was teaching people that we need to be as close to perfect as possible. Just exactly like Jesus. And the average person... I had a young man Bible study sitting right over here one night. He said, are you telling me that it's possible for a human being to be perfect? And I said, well, uh, I'm going to just let the Word answer that itself. I said, I want you to turn over to Matthew 5.48 and I want you to read that Scripture. And this is what Matthew 5.48 says. What does it say? Now, brother, let me tell you, that'll put challenge to you in me, won't it? And that's what the king said there, too, right? King, Jesus said, Be ye perfect, even as my father was just in heaven perfect. You talk about a challenge for us? That challenge is me. Anytime I got to be just like Jesus, let me tell you that's a challenge. But let me tell you, since he put that in there, and Titus 1 2 says it's impossible for God to lie, I know that's an obtainable goal for every one of us. And when we the closer we get to those goals that he's talking about and all these things, the greater will be your faith and the greater will be the power He will release through the ministry He puts you in. Now, if you're walking in some kind of sin or just the sin of unbelief, you may be the Baptist, a best Baptist preacher like I used to be. Uh, I mean, I wasn't the best Baptist preacher, but I was a Baptist, and I was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher and all that stuff. I never saw God do nothing. I mean, I served Him, loved Him, worshipped Him. I didn't pray for people because I didn't see nobody else praying for people and seeing nothing happened. So I didn't see God do nothing, but I was walking in obedience to His word. But there was an ingredient missing. I didn't believe these promises. One day, when I started believing them, then I started seeing God do great and awesome miracles in my life. I mean, you know, I can remember slowly but surely, as I would learn these things and I would go to people's houses, I would teach them these principles. And that's where I started out in my Baptist church. Somebody got sick. We'd see it on the Wednesday night prayer meeting. I'd take one or two of their names, and next week I'd go sit down with them and talk to them. And, of course, some of them would see these principles, they would repent, and I would pray for them. And I can remember when I got six people healed in one year, six, I went into a little, uh, I don't think it was Christmas what it was, party, and one of the guys when I was it said, what kind of good things is God doing in your life this year? I said, man, it can't get no better than this. I saw God do six healings this year. I said, it can't get no better than this. What was my faith? We down young. I've seen Him heal six people or 16 people on a Saturday afternoon. You know, isn't it amazing? On one Saturday afternoon. And we get praise reports. I mean, the people that work with us in the ministry now. I mean starting with Kathy right on up. Kathy is sitting at the front right on. Kathy probably sees two or three wonderful miracles a day, doesn't she, Sharon? She prays for people and God answers that little girl's prayer. I mean, Sharon, I don't have I mean she here, I mean we just they're always coming in. wow, you gotta listen to this. We prayed for this man or this woman and this happened. I thought mean, what a place to work. What a place to work. Isn't that wonderful? How could I work someplace all my life? How could I have been in church all my life and never heard any praise reports? And now the minister, we hear praise reports every day. You know what happened, don't you, girl? You stepped into a world of faith. And when this girl stepped into a world of faith and prayed for that woman, we can't tell that she got healed. This girl said, yes, praise God. See, she's learning that it's available. Now that she's going to start praying for everybody, she's going to be out looking for somebody to pray for because that's what I did. You know, that's what I did. When you start looking for people, you see somebody on the street. Like a lady walked up to me the other day in Home Depot. She said, Thurman, I'm there getting some stuff. She said, I want you to pray for my brother. I said, okay. There's people all walking them down the aisle and everything. I said, what's wrong with it? She told me. I said, okay. I just told him, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. About that loud. Didn't tell to call his name to the throne of grace. And when I got through praying, I opened my hand open my eyes and she was white as a sheet.
1: Laughter.
0: I said, what's wrong with you? She said, My goodness, I didn't know you were going to do it right here in front of everybody. I said, You asked me to pray, woman don't ever ask me to pray unless you expect me to pray. That's why God answers my prayer, because I don't care where I am or who's standing by. And I don't when I go in, I don't pray silently. You know, we go into a restaurant, we don't pray silently. We pray. We want everybody in the place I know. In fact, the other day, just a few weeks ago, we were all up here at this little restaurant, one and two tonight after Bible study. There's about eight or ten of us. You know, we had a big group. We prayed over everything. Prayed over the water, prayed over the tea, prayed over the refills, prayed over the food, prayed over the salads. And we got ready to leave. A lady came out and she said, Who wants the bill? I said, I do. And she's started she said, Well, you don't get it. I said, Why? She said, Because that group of men that was sitting right over there, they paid for all y'all's food. And <laughs> why do you think and we found out those guys were pastors? <laughs> Ty, I think Ty called them or something. But, uh, hey, that's where we, as children of God, are supposed to live. You know, if we put the king first in everything we do. King, remember what the king said. If you're ashamed of me, and you won't confess me before the Father in heaven, I'll be ashamed of you, and I won't confess you before the Father in heaven. If the king don't confess your name before the king, guess what we're going to get from God? If he don't do it, that's right, it ain't going to happen. So when you when you just go wild about Jesus, loving him, worshiping him, praising him, Hey, he loves that. He loves it, and he loves it. And I love it. And you love it, right? This girl, she ain't had nothing but a smile on her face ever since she's been here. I mean, she's laughing. She's seen her first person healed. Glory to God. I mean, that's a fireball for the kingdom of God right there. I can just see it in her eyes, in her heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and praise you that you're the king of the universe. Well, we could talk about you all day and your mighty miracles, and your healings, and your wonderful that We're so grateful that here, Lord, we're all about you. And, Lord, this church is all about you. Lord, you're the king, you're the Lord, you're the Savior, you're the healer, you're the deliverer, you're the provider. And, Lord, we're grateful that we can be your children. We're grateful you chose us to serve you. Now, Father, today, if anybody needs to know you as Lord and Savior, we invite them to come up. And, Lord, we'll lead them to Jesus. And because of the promises of God, you have to know Jesus before you can get his promises. He don't give them to his nobody but his children, or at least very rarely. But it's a whole lot better if you become a child of God. Then he will easily, openly give you these promises. And Lord, we thank you for all the people that are here. And we thank you, Lord, for opening our hearts and our understanding to you mighty word. We thank you for these great and awesome promises that you've given us, the freedom to make the choice. Help us this week, Lord, if we go out to make the right choices. That we will, Lord, we will not listen to the enemy. When the enemy comes to try to get us to sin, let's kick him out. And let's walk holy before you, Lord, so we will not have to die. Because you said sin brings forth death. And when sin is fully complete, it brings forth death. So, Lord, walking holy and in righteousness brings forth life and life eternal. And that's what we want. We want to live a long, healthy life with you and serve you with no sickness and no disease. And, Lord, we stand by faith since you bore our sickness and removed our disease we're going to stand by faith that we don't have to be sick. And Lord, we're claiming those promises because you made them for us in your word. Now, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody here today. And use all these people, Lord, as they go out this week. Use them to tell others about Jesus, to pray for people, to talk to people about you, so that you'll be able to do great and mighty things when they pray for them. Change the people's lives that they touch this week forever. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. If you need any of the media back there, if you're new here, everything back there is free. You don't have to...